1: This is the Freddie and Harry Podcast on ESPN Radio. And welcome to the best show on your radio. It is Freddie and Harry. Thank you very much. My man Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman together on the ESPN app. SiriusXM X and Channel 80. And always tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. We want to hear from you. Who is the most disrespected player or team in the NFL when it comes to 2023? Your responses will get heard. All you have to do is call in the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-729-3776. We'll give you ours, and you give us yours in 10 minutes at eight 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 seven two nine is the most disrespected player or team in the NFL when it comes to 2023? Because apparently, the Baltimore Ravens are feeling disrespected. Why? They're 11-3 about to play another 11-3 and team this Monday, Christmas night, eight fifteen Eastern Time on ABC and ESPN when they take on those bloodthirsty pirates known as the San Francisco 49ers. But they're a 5.5-point underdog against the 49ers, according to ESPN Bet. When Cal Hamilton, Ravens' safety, and Lamar Jackson, Ravens' quarterback, heard that... The 11-3s and threes are not created equal right now in terms of st- the 49ers versus us, and we feel a little disrespected by that. I feel like we are the best team in the league, and uh, we got an opportunity in front of the country to show it. So I want them to pick us. I like being the underdog, you know. Um, I don't know. I, like, we, I believe we play better when we're doubted and we're not, you know, people not choosing us to win the game. I feel like we play better all the time. So just do it all the way to February. <laughs> that's all I ask. So, Chad, should they feel disrespected by a team that's favored over them, by that number that many people acknowledge right now is the best team in the NFL when it comes to the 49ers?
2: Yeah, within that locker room, they should be because you guys—you have to believe that you are the best team in football. If you want to win the ultimate prize, you don't get to that place by going, ah, oh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I we're satisfied being thought of as the third best or fourth best team. Right. No, you, 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 you gladly, gladly put any chip you can up on your shoulder. You, you show it to the whole world and say, you know, yeah, I got a chip on my shoulder and I'm upset about this, this, and this, and I'm going to show you on the field, who we are, what we're about, and why we are the best team. So, yes, they should feel that way. You know, do, does do, does the the line that's being set, is that set by uh, the 49ers? No, it's not. Is it set by the media? No, it's not. It's set mm. by Vegas. And Vegas, last time I checked, they keep building more and more massive hotels and resorts out <laughs> there because they are good at what they do. Yes. Uh, so that's a significant part of this. But at the same time, Where the disrespect comes from is less important than the feeling of the disrespect and how you use that as motivation. So athletes are tremendous at finding some source somewhere to say something that is going to motivate them, and this is just another case that the Ravens using that to find some extra motivation.
1: I guarantee you John Harbaugh is probably thinking to himself, "Mm -mm -mm. I will not have to add on the extra sauce this week. Because the Las Vegas betting line did it for me. I'm sure that he knows how good his team is. He understands exactly his team is one of the best teams in football. You can even make a case that they could be the only team that can lay claim that they could be undefeated at 14-0 when they gave away three games this year. Against the Indianapolis Colts, they had a chance to win that ball game. They allowed that to get out of their hands. They had a double-digit lead against the Cleveland Browns. They allowed the Browns to call it a comeback, even though they have not been here for years doing that. And then they had a chance against Pittsburgh Steelers. Guys dropping passes in the end zone. The Steelers get lucky in a long pass to George Pickens, and they lose that ball game. He can look at his team and say, don't worry about Vegas. But if you want to, go right ahead, because Vegas does not believe that you guys not only will win, but if we have a lead against the San Francisco 49ers, You won't be able to hold it. So, guys, what are you going to do about it? It could be the best motivational ploy for John Harbaugh that he did not have to think of, Chad, or beg, borrow, or steal from somebody else.
2: The phrase bulletin board material, we always say that in the media. We, you know, we talk about that during during the season. Oh, you, they're giving them some bulletin board material. And what does that look like within a team facility? Right. You know, I've been in facilities where Coach will put that literally everywhere you turn. You walk in and out of your position group, group room, it's up on the walls in there. Team meeting room, it's up on the walls in there. In the locker room, in the bathroom, in the training room, in the weight room. Everywhere in the facility, this quote-unquote bulletin board material, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, is everywhere. When coaches are trying to establish a narrative and raise your emotional level, Harbaugh, I'm sure, has 5.5 somewhere <laughs> listed on that building. It is, it, it is not just held in his head. Uh-huh. He's not keeping this quiet. It is placed everywhere around that Ravens facility. He is getting a message through by using that.
1: When you see a point spread like that, by the way, is Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas. with some Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. When you see a point spread like that, even though when you think about it, you automatically get three points usually if you are the home team. So when you want to think about it from betting terms, the Baltimore Ravens are a two and a half point underdog against the San Francisco forty nines. You want to break those things down piece by piece exactly what that bet means and how that could affect any kind of future betting. That's going to happen. But here's why I believe the Ravens feel disrespected. They want to be regarded as a great team. And that point spread is telling them that Vegas does not feel the same way they do. That Vegas is telling them, yeah, we know that the 49s are a great team. You guys have got 11-3 and 3 record, but, well, I don't know if we can put you in the great category yet. As you just said, you'll find any kind of morsel to find that extra motivation. And that's exactly what Las Vegas is giving the Baltimore Ravens. The problem with that is the guys on the other side, they want to beat you by 500. They're not interested in beating you by 5.5 or 5 points. They want to do to you what they did to the Philadelphia Eagles, what they did to the Dallas Cowboys, and not have that done to them like the Bengals to the 49ers. So you can feel any sort of way you want if you're the Baltimore Ravens, but go out there and prove people wrong. Like Lamar Jackson said, keep doubting us. We'll keep proving people wrong until February. If you're going to do that, it's going to have to start on Monday night.
2: Lamar Jackson is 9-4 and four as an underdog. The past seven games on Monday night, it's the longest streak of underdogs winning outright Mm. in Monday night football history. So there's a lot of stats we can throw out there to to talk about this. But again, it comes down to the play on the field. They can feel as disrespected as they want unless they show up against a 49ers team that we all assume is going to show up. Mm -hmm. Um, The – the game will play out as Vegas thinks it's supposed to play out. So the only other time the Ravens have been the underdog this season was earlier this year, Week 2, against Cincinnati, and the Ravens upset the Bengals there, 27-24. to 24. So they have been in this place before. This is the, uh, what, the biggest point spread? Mm-hmm. Oh, second largest second underdog largest. point spread yep. in Lamar Jackson's six-year career. So uh, the Ravens are not used to this, um, but they have shown when they are the underdog particularly with Lamar Jackson as soon they find ways to win.
1: There's going to be a lot of fussing and cussing in this game. Mm. <laughs> Two teams that love to tell you about it, what time it is, how the clock was built. They're, they're not going to back off conversations. It's going to feel like a division game, like the forty nines are playing the Rams or the Ravens are playing the Steelers. Those are the kind of games that can be very, very special, even though both of these teams do not play in the same conference or even play in the same division. Like we mentioned, Baltimore Ravens at the San Francisco 49ers. That happens on Christmas night, Monday night, 8.15 Eastern time on ESPN and also ABC. Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas joining us here on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. I am Freddie Coleman. So the Baltimore Ravens, boy, do they feel disrespected. Who is the most disrespected player or team in the NFL when it comes to this year? We're going to get to your calls in a couple of seconds on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. But for Chad Brown, for you. The most disrespected play this year in the NFL is who and why.
2: It's got to be Tua. It's, it's got to be Tua. Coming into this season, there were questions about his future as an NFL player. Could he stay healthy? And was he going to be the franchise quarterback for the Miami Dolphins? Uh, was the Dolphins' success that they had last year, before this year even started, was it based on all those other players on that Dolphins' offense? Mm-hmm. Well, Tua has shown, number one, he can stay healthy. Number two, he is the future and the franchise quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. And this success that they have had, a lot of these guys have been in and out of the lineup. Tyreek Hill's been out of, in and out of the lineup. Yeah. The running backs have been banged up a number of times this year. Yet the most consistent part of it has been to and his ability to direct the, that offense, get the ball in those playmakers' hands, and be one of the most accurate quarterbacks In the NFL, a lot of people rolled their eyes when Tyreek Hill said in the offseason that Tua was more accurate than Patrick Mahomes because we consider Patrick Mahomes to be the greatest quarterback walking on the planet right now. I think Tyreek Hill was actually correct. Tua is incredibly accurate. Mm -hmm. Um, And all the doubts that he came into the season with about Tua, he has found ways to check all those off the list and prove that he is the guy.
1: And it seems likely that Tyreek Hill is going to play. He was at practice today. For the Miami Dolphins after missing last week's game versus the New York Jets with an ankle injury. He was at practice today. Still regarded as questionable for that game against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. But if that guy's back and Tua has a chance to tell those disrespectful people to beat it, then he may have one of his arsenal, one of the dudes that he needs in his arsenal to make that work against the Cowboys defense still smarting how the Buffalo Bills just beat them up on Sunday. So who is the most disrespectful player or team this year? In the NFL, it's time to hear from you. It's time for you to enter the chat at 888-SAY-ESPN. That 887293776 888-729-3776. Steven, in Ohio, the most disrespected player or team in the NFL is who and why?
3: The, the team is the Cincinnati Bengals, and the coach is Zach Taylor. And the reason why is four weeks ago, Joe Burrow goes down. Everyone has us dead in the water. We're, we're not going anywhere. We're evaluating young players. We're getting ready for the draft. Jake Browning says, no, thank you. He comes in. We go three and one. We're about to go into Pittsburgh tomorrow or Saturday. We're going to beat Pittsburgh. We're going to go to Kansas City. We're going to beat Kansas City. And we're going to beat Cleveland at home. We're going to get into the playoffs. Now, Zach Taylor, Zach Taylor has been the most disrespected coach in the last three years. Okay. Two years ago, Zach Taylor should have won coach of the year. He wasn't even in the discussion. He took a 4-12 and team to the Super Bowl. This year, what this man's done with this team, especially with Joe Burrow being hurt and now Joe Burrow being out, it's a phenomenal job and still not even being discussed.
1: I love that. Sticking up for your guy who he's exactly right in terms of what he's done with this football team because when Joe Burrow got injured, everybody said, well, that, that's enough. Woohoo! We'll see you next year when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals with Jake Browning. He's been tremendous. Whatever defensive issues they've had, they've been able to overcome that. Jamar Chase getting the ball more. Joe Mixon, Mojo Mixon running the football more. But, yeah, Zach Taylor has shown, even without his main guy, his dude, when it comes to Joe Burrow, this team will battle, this team will scratch, this team will claw, and he's found a quarterback that has shown that he can make plays and you don't have to restrict him when it comes to the offense of the Cincinnati Bengals.
2: Well, what about the other team in Ohio? What, what, what about what the Cleveland Browns have done? Because they're on their fourth quarterback. They ain't on mm-hmm. the backup. They're on their fourth <laughs> quarterback. So I'm not dismissing mm-hmm. what, what, what Zach Taylor has done and what the Bengals have done. I'm, I'm not dismissing it at all. Yeah. But just within that state of Ohio, there's another coach who deserves to be talked about, another organization that mm-hmm. has gotten it done with multiple backups as well.
1: By the way, those two played each other the last game of the regular season in Cincinnati. That could be something else That that game decides a player berth. Involving the Bengals and the Browns in the AFC. juice in Ohio. Who's the most disrespected player, team, or coach in the NFL
3: and why? Man, it's actually three answers. It's the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, and Coach Harbaugh. He should get the MVP and Coach of the Year. Man, they could be undefeated right now. And they really talking about Brock Purdy. What would he be without Christian McCaffrey? Look what <laughs> Lamar Jackson got. He does it with anything. The definition of next man up, I'm going to get it done. It's the Ravens, right, Lamar Jackson, and Coach Harbaugh,
1: period. Yeah, yeah, Lamar Jackson get more love in the MVP race because Mark Andrews, one of the best tight ends in the NFL, not yep. named Travis Kelsey or George Kittle, mm-hmm. has been lost. He also lost J.K. Dobbins at the beginning of the year. Keaton Mitchell, who's really good as a guy to the backfield that could catch, was averaging over eight yards per carry. The rookie, he's not going to be there, deterring his ACL against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But Lamar Jackson has so much command of this offense not just physically but also mentally, that if they win against San Francisco and he goes out there and he plays well against that defense that many people believe is the best defense in the NFL and the Ravens may have a say, oh, what about us? If he goes out there, Chad, and does his thing on the road and wins that game against that defense, I wonder how those odds could possibly change and he gets more consideration to being the MVP in 2023 in the NFL.
2: When you played the kind of season that Lamar Jackson has played, I think you always deserve to be in the conversation. But when you put a a kind of a, a franchise brick win <laughs> together, this would be yeah. one of those brick kind of wins, one of those foundational kind of wins that you could get against the 49ers and their amazing defense. Yeah, I, I think this would propel Lamar Jackson to the top of that MVP conversation. Um, and it would shift the tone from – the Ravens being disrespected not just by Vegas but Uh by a lot of folks around the country when they talk about some of the best football teams and put them to the top.
1: Frank in North Carolina who is the most disrespected player team or coach in the NFL and why this year my friend?
3: Hey guys how's it going? Good Frank how are you? I'm doing great I know you're going to say what am I talking about but I think Christian McCaffrey is the most disrespected player. You look at the seasons that he has had. He's had at least four fantastic seasons where he's been for uh, MVP. One season he had 1,000 yards rushing, 1,000 yards receiving, skipped over for MVP. His last year with the Panthers, Panthers a losing team, he had a great season. And people say, well, he was on a losing team. To me, that gives me more respect because that means he had to work harder to get the numbers he did on a losing team.
2: I think Frank's got a great point. You know, we we, we talked earlier in the show to to Seth Joyner, and I asked Seth about the MVP, you know, who's going to win, but who do you actually think should win? Mm -hmm. And Seth and I were in complete agreement. Christian McCaffrey deserves to win that award. We think it'll be a quarterback, both Seth and I. But Christian McCaffrey – has done enough on the field. And is such an important part of what they do out there in San Francisco that he deserves to win it. And so the fact that he doesn't take the ball from under center every every play somehow lessens his ability to win the MVP is a bit ridiculous. And it speaks to the, I, I suppose, yeah. the, the disrespect of mm-hmm. how prominent of a role he has yeah. within that an offense and such the, the Swiss Army knife role of what he's doing.
1: It should not be that hard. If you are a voter, whether it's for the Heisman Trophy or the MVP in the National Football League, to not watch more football and don't just concentrate on one position or even be seduced by the numbers of that position when it comes to quarterback. To me, there are a lot of lazy voters out there, in my opinion. I know the quarterback position, the most important position in sports. We all know that. No new news here. But let's bring some truth to this. It doesn't take a lot for you to say, let me watch this. Let Let me pay attention to these guys. And not just because they can throw the football. We've seen a lot of Heisman voters just automatically say it's going to be a quarterback. And I'm thinking, then why give the award out? That's not for the best player in college football. It's for the guy playing the most important position in college football. And to me, Chad, the same narrative, the same laziness when it comes to voters has permeated the NFL MVP conversation. It shouldn't take a lot for somebody to look at a a Miles Garrett, how valuable he's been to the Cleveland Browns. Or T.J. Watt, how valuable he's been to the Pittsburgh Steelers. It shouldn't take... You don't have to be a football fool to know these kind of things. If you pay attention to what's going on, you would see, hey, Brock Purdy's been terrific. Dak Prescott's been terrific. Lamar Jackson's been terrific. But Christian McCaffrey, the fact he's that low in the totem pole when it comes to the odds of the MVP, that's why there are a lot of lazy voters out there who, in my opinion, should not have any kind of voting when it comes to the MVP in the NFL or also the Heisman Trophy when it comes to college football.
2: Yeah, I, I'm 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 with you on that, and and the fact that we've allowed this narrative to be so firmly established that we can have this conversation as as media folks, and it's just accepted. This is just somehow it's we're okay with this. Mm-hmm. No, let's be a little smarter. Let's be just dive a little bit deeper into the, the game. Right. Let's actually watch the games. Mm-hmm. Let's actually recognize who is a critical piece of things and who's not. And if there are more guys who are critical pieces to things than just the guys who take snaps under center.
1: No doubt about that. Great stuff by Chad Brown. Joining me, Freddie Cohen and Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. One more from Justin in Denver on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-729-3776. Justin, who is the most disrespected player, team, or coach in the NFL this year and why?
3: Um, I'm I'm thinking about Max Crosby. I, um, I don't think he's appreciated for what he's actually doing considering he was a fourth-round pick out of Eastern Michigan. Like, No one expected what he's been doing, like, at all. And I think that, uh, you know, even that game a couple weeks ago where he played against Kansas City Chiefs where his knee was swollen like crazy. I don't know if you guys saw that on Mm -hmm. his, you know, uh, IG account or whatever he put it on, but, like, that guy's a dog. Like, (laughs) I I know he's not uh, having a season like Miles Garrett's having right now or anything like that, but he also, I feel like he has less help. And But he's doing what he can, and that, that guy is just killing it, and uh, I think he deserves he deserves a lot of respect for what he's doing.
1: Justin, I disagree with you that he has very little help. He has no help with the <laughs> Las Vegas Raiders. Very little help would be an improvement for a guy that has 13.5 sacks, 19 tackles for loss, and he's third on the team in tackles with 80 from a defensive end position, where that number is usually measured how many sacks you get. So. To your point, Justin, he doesn't have very little help, Chad, in in Las Vegas. Max Crosby from Eastern Michigan, Mid-American Conference School, by the way, has no help on defense from that football team.
2: I completely agree with you with, with the no-help aspect, and he is definitely a, a number one on the all-effort team. Absolutely. If, if effort counts, he is at the absolute top of, of the list. I give him no shot of, of winning or even being in the MVP kind of discussion, but as far as being a dis... I don't think he's necessarily disrespected as much. He is just overlooked. Absolutely. Good point. He's, yep. he's, he's, he's not an impo- Miles Garrett is an imposingly built man. Max Crosby is not. Yet he still goes out there, dominates every week, controls the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, whether it's sacks, whether it's run game stocks, mm-hmm. whether it's just effort chasing plays down. An absolute an amazing player. Um, and he should be a bigger and bigger part of the conversation as far as the best edge players in the league. It yeah. all just can't be Garrett and Bosa. Right. Max Crosby deserves to be in that conversation every time now.
1: We talk about the golden age of quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. We're also in the golden age of guys that can get after the passer. Because you mentioned, you know, Nick Bosa with San Francisco, T.J. Watt, Daniel Hunter, quietly want a really good team for the Minnesota Vikings that he has so far in this season. He's been able to knock down the quarterback 15 and a half times. You got Trey Hendrickson with Cincinnati. Khalil Mack, underrated player for the Chargers, not because of his ability, but he's having a great season, but nobody knows about it because the Chargers fired their head coach because they're going to coach that team. We have a golden age of quarterbacks. Wasn't the golden age of guys that can really get after the quarterback, and also these guys I mentioned, not too shabby playing the run either?
2: No, they, I, I'd say yes, there is a renaissance going on with amazing edge players, and we are lucky to watch these guys almost every, every single week. Yeah, and there's a reason why the NFL has started what 54, 58 different quarterbacks <laughs> yes, this year, yes, because of those dudes who hunt those quarterbacks <laughs> uh-huh. every week.
1: Yeah, be very, very quiet. They're hunting quarterbacks. (laughs) He's Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us on Freddie and Harry. We're going to do a little what if when it comes to must win weekend, which starts tonight this weekend in the NFL when the Saints take on the Rams. One of those questions involves the Eagles and the Giants and a big what if. This is ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The Freddie and Harry Podcast.
4: Here's Chad
1: Brown in for Harry Douglas. I am Freddie Coleman. This is Freddie and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance on the ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80 and always tell your smart speaker to play ESPN radio. If you need insurance for boats, motorcycles, and RVs, that'll give you protection on the road and on the water. You can see how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. We're calling this weekend in the NFL that starts tonight involving the Saints and the Rams. Must win weekend in the NFL. So we're going to do a little... What would you say if, kind of a what if, because when you got a lot of games involving teams either in the playoffs, trying to get into the playoffs or want to keep other teams out of playoffs, that means anything can possibly happen. So we start with Giants at Eagles.
3: What would you say?
2: Chad
1: Brown at the Eagles lost to the New York Giants.
2: The chaos intensifies out there in Philly. Jalen Jalen Hurts is in his next press conference, doesn't even know what to say after what he said last week. Uh, Nick Soriani turns up his uh, combative nature with the media, uh-huh, right. and things start to slip and fall apart in Philadelphia, where they were on track for the Super Bowl just as recently as three weeks ago. But it's amazing how quickly you can fall in the NFL.
1: It'll be the worst performance by a fan base against the team letting them down in history of that city on a Christmas day after losing three in a row and you lose to the New York Giants who have no business beating your football team even though the Eagles have lost three in a row. If they lose that game, they will be booed maybe even out of the city, maybe even out of the state. They may have to play the next home game in Delaware County. That's how bad it would be for the Philadelphia Eagles if they lost to the New York Giants. Ravens at 49ers What
3: would you say Chad
1: Brown if the Ravens beat the 49ers in a battle of 113 teams on Monday night in ABC.
2: Oh, my goodness. I can't wait to hear the post game quotes from the Ravens if they beat the 49ers. Y'all was disrespecting us. We showed y'all who the champ is. That's what, it's, that's, that's what the comments are going to be coming out of Baltimore. Yes, they will solidify themselves as the best team in the league. Something that you've said a number of times over the last couple of days, Freddie, is that this is the only team that legitimately had a chance to be undefeated all season long. Mm-hmm. Very close losses there, their three losses. So. Yeah, the the Ravens w- would move into the, the top spot and would instantly become the Super Bowl favorite.
1: If the Ravens beat the 49ers, Lamar Jackson will vault to the top of the rankings when it comes to the MVP race in the National Football League because he's going to have everything to do, whether the Ravens win or whether the Ravens lose. That defense knows where he's going to be. At least they think they know where he's going to be. But if we see Magic Jackson when it comes to Lamar Jackson, like we saw a couple of plays against the Jacksonville Jaguars and plenty of time this season on the road against that team and that defense, if he does his thing on Monday night, 8.15 Eastern time on ABC and ESPN – if the Ravens beat the 49ers, Lamar Jacks will take over the number one spot when it comes to MVP race in the National Football League. Cowboys at Dolphins.
3: What do you say? Chad
1: Brown did the Cowboys lose in Miami to the Dolphins.
2: Mm, then it, it keeps this narrative going that the Cowboys aren't big game ready. And again, I, I, I've talked about this whenever I filled in for Harry Cowboy fans are, are still in a bit of a wait-and-see situation. They are looking at this Cowboys team, recognizing it's a pretty good team. But before they dive fully in and give all their support and invest their emotional heart into this Cowboys season, they want to see them win big games, and they want to see them win some playoff games. So this was obviously the big game up in front of them, and it would go further in that narrative that the Cowboys still are not prime-time ready.
1: If the Cowboys lose to the Dolphins, this is what you're going to hear in Miami. Because now we put still some distance between us and the Buffalo Bills where it may not have to come down to the final game of the regular season for the AFC East Championship. Right now, Buffalo's on the outside looking in at the ninth spot in the AFC. I'm firmly believing that the Buffalo Bills are going to win out because you look at the rest of their schedule, you're thinking, yourself, yeah, that's a pretty light schedule because they've gone through the heart of it already. Chargers on the road, Patriots at home, and then at the Dolphins. I'm banking that the Bills win their next two games. If the Dolphins don't beat the Cowboys, they got the Baltimore Ravens after that playing for a number one seed. If the Cowboys lose to Miami, they can go, whoo, man, we're going to keep some distance, a two-game distance between us and the Buffalo Bills. A little, what would you say when it comes to what if on this NFL weekend of a call must-win weekend? Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. We move on to... Bengals at Steelers.
3: What would you say? Chad
1: Brown, if you're Pittsburgh Steelers, lose to the Cincinnati Bengals.
2: On one hand, losing to the Bengals wouldn't be so bad because the Bengals are a pretty good football team. But based off the fact that the Steelers have lost the previous three games to the Cardinals, to the Patriots, and the Colts, now this loss would get lumped to that you lost four in a row. We've talked about the Steelers standard sliding because of George Pickens' uh, lack of effort, Mm -hmm. uh, Deontay Johnson's lack of effort in run blocking, things like that. The heat around Mike Tomlin gets further turned up. Um, And considering that's going to be Mason Rudolph under center this week, it doesn't make it feel more likely that they actually can find a way to win this game. So the firestorm around the Bengals, I'm sorry, around the Steelers will unfortunately continue.
1: If the Steels lose to the Bengals, I wonder how many players will get called out for not giving maximum effort at maximum intensity. Because if that does not happen, then that's really going to be more of a referendum when it comes to Mike Tomlin that he can't reach this team, that he can't reach these players. If players are out there going through the motions because the Steels are still in a chance to get into the playoffs in the AFC. They are a 7-17 How this seven 7-7, I have no idea, but I don't care. It is what it is. Your record tells you are who you are. Bill Parcells said it best, the Hall of Fame football coach, he's 100% right. But if they lose to the Bengals and guys are just going through the motions and not wanting to play for their teammates or play with their teammates, I can't even imagine what that fire is going to look like at the feet of Mike Tomlin, who may be having his players being out of touch because he can't reach them browns at texans what would you say if the cleveland browns with joe flacco mania reaching a fever pitch beat the houston texans
2: mm. if they beat the houston texans then the legend of joe flacco continues to grow <laughs> if you didn't know there wasn't a legend about joe flacco there certainly would be one after this game uh the ability for the browns to win no matter who's on the quarterback who's under center for them, has been incredibly impressive. Obviously, this team is propelled by this defense. Uh, Miles Garrett has tailed off a bit from a statistical standpoint right. lately because teams are literally triple teaming him every single play, making sure he doesn't affect the, the quarterback. But I, I think it speaks to their very resilient nature and a belief on this team. No matter who's under center, we're going to find ways to get this done. Our coaching staff is going to draw up enough plays that this guy can be successful. We, as his teammates, will step up where needed to assist who's ever under center and they get it, get it done. So this legend of Joe Flacco would be built off of this rallying around who's ever under center for the Cleveland Browns.
1: If the Browns beat the Texans, they are a cinch to make the playoffs. Whatever Joe Flacco is going to do or not going to do, man, he is going to be a massive folk hero in that city. But they beat the Houston Texans, and it looks likely that C.J. Stroud is not going to be in the lineup again. That means Case Keenan will probably get the start again for the Houston Texans. But the Browns beat them. They can call themselves a playoff team in 2023, and they will be a very tough out with Joe Flacco, their quarterback. Words I thought we would never say about any NFL team ever again when it comes to Joe Flacco being on the center for any team. Colts and Falcons.
3: What would you say?
1: Chad Brown of the Atlanta Falcons continue their losing streak and lose to the Colts.
2: I'm going to say. Okay, that's what I expected. I'm not gonna be surprised <laughs> at all. <laughs> and it, it, just, it would just Arthur Blank has come out this week and and said uh, not yeah. some super supportive things about about mm-hmm. Coach Smith yep. and Arthur Smith. So uh, you know I got a chance to know Arthur Smith. I did my Coaching internship out there with the Tennessee Titans. He was tight ends coach. Uh, he was the first coach on that coaching staff to approach me and okay. say, you know, I know you played with the Patriots. I know you played with the Steelers. I can't wait to pick your brain. There was not a more invested coach mm-hmm. in any of my coaching internships than him not a more curious coach not a coach who wanted to take time to pick your mind about everything that you knew about football right despite all of that doesn't necessarily make you ideally suited to be a head coach particularly your first time around i think the flaws in his game as a head coach are showing up i think arthur blank is recognizing that as well and if they lose to the indianapolis colts i would say well that's exactly what i expected because that's where this team is right now
1: If the Atlanta Falcons lose to the Colts, we'll have to check on Harry Douglas to make sure he's going to have a good Christmas because he loves his dirty birds. He keeps saying that we have a chance in the playoffs. I'm like, yeah, if you mean we in French, meaning yes, then no, you don't have a chance in the playoffs when it comes to the Atlanta Falcons. They are definitely a dying quail right now when it comes to the dirty birds in the Atlanta Falcons. If they lose to the Colts, they'll fall out of the race. And somebody better check on Harry Douglas. He might need a new team in 2024, giving up on the Falcons like they've given up in 2023. Lions at Vikings.
2: What would you
3: say? Chad Brown,
1: the Detroit Lions lose to the Minnesota Vikings?
2: Ah, uh, That would derail the, the, the narrative that Detroit is for real. I know they slipped up against the Bears, but they sandwiched that Bears loss with wins against the Saints and a massive win against the Denver Broncos. And the thinking is this Detroit Lions team is finding them their, their way. Their offensive line is blocking well. They've got some great speed at the running back position. they got the best young tight end in football. Uh, if they were to lose to the Minnesota Vikings, despite the Vikings playing some pretty good football right now, I think that would shift it back into the yeah. Lions. We thought early in the season they were playoff ready and they were going to be one of the hottest teams in the league. And now they just kind of cooled off and become that mediocre team that may limp their way into the playoffs, but they have no chance of making a deep run.
1: Yeah, the Lions lose to the Vikings, shame on them. Because, to your point, they are definitely a better football team than the Minnesota Vikings. They have more talent than the Minnesota Vikings. You would hope that the Minnesota Vikings are hoping that the Detroit Lions did not learn their lesson like they learned it last Saturday when they put it on the Denver Broncos. If after that kind of performance, you go out the next week and lose to a team, even though it's a division game, that you have more talent and you're better than you lose to them. Hey, Detroit Lions, shame on you. Shame on you. By the way, tonight we go until 7.30 Eastern time for the Boca Raton Bowl gets started at 7.30. And we're the part of the place, meaning ESPN Radio, having all the bowl action for you covered from each and every bowl game that matters because they all do. The Rose Bowl game presented by Prudential featuring Michigan, Alabama, and the All-State Sugar Bowl featuring Washington, Texas, follows the Fiesta Bowl. All that action on New Year's Day right here on ESPN Radio. We talked about the Pittsburgh Steelers about to play the Cincinnati Bengals and what is going on with that team that is seven and 7-7 seven but sliding fast. A former member of that team waiting on the culture conversation in Pittsburgh. What kind of conversation does he feel about it? Find out next on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. This is the Freddie and Harry Podcast on ESPN Radio.
0: Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com.
3: We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Here's Chad Brown in for
1: Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. We are Freddie and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance on the ESPN app, X and Channel 80, and always, always tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Chad came with a great, great thought, a great, great line to summarize a lot of teams, but specifically these three teams in the NFL. Who can silence the chaos and win on a must-win weekend? The two obvious ones, Philadelphia Eagles playing the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys playing against the Miami Miami Dolphins. That other one, a team that Chad knows very well, he played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And a lot of people wondering about wondering about the culture that does not seem to be the same like it used to be when the Steelers with a team that you had to fear, and now your team you're looking at it saying, okay, where are you guys going? Well, Bill Cower, another person that Chad Brown knows extremely well, foreign Steelers coach, Hall of Fame coach, now CBS sports analyst. When he was on the Pat McAfee show, he talked about, yeah, maybe with the culture now in Pittsburgh, you might need to think about changing it.
5: I think the biggest thing as a head coach to me is the accountability is with the players, right? But it's it also with the coaches. Um, I was hard on the coaches, and sometimes I made changes for the sake of change. I mean, I think you look at what uh, uh, John Harbaugh did and has done in Baltimore. I um, Todd Monkin comes in this year; offense is different. Mike McDonald, Mac- he comes in last year uh, for Wink, so he's made some changes in Baltimore. That, to me, that's part of it. It's just there's an infusion of energy. There's something new. It's something fresh, particularly with what you're doing if it becomes stale. And I think that's the biggest thing in the National Football League, to me, is you don't want to become stale. Don't want to become stagnant, predictable. I mean, bring somebody in with a fresh set of eyes, a fresh set of ideas, doing some things that are more creative, and to try to get the best out of the players. So sometimes you have to have change just for the sake of change.
2: I disagree with the change for the sake of change. Because also within that soundbite, Freddie, Bill Cowher was saying – why you would make that change, fresh ideas, fresh messaging. Right. If you're a, a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers where they have only had a couple of coaches over time, uh, head coaches over the time, you do as a head coach, if you're going to be there for 16 years or 17 years as Mike Tomlin is, if you don't have new influences for yourself, plus new voices in the room all the time, yeah, your message is going to to get stale. Your message is going to wear people down. So I think Bill Cowher's on the right path, but it's not just change for the sake of change. It is change with a purpose to bring some new energy, some new life, some new words, some new messaging, and some new thoughts into our organization.
1: If I'm a Steelers fan or an ex-Steelers player like you, I'm looking at Bill Cowher and I'm thinking, you invoked our rival at the expense of our Uh guy, Mike Tomlin? Mm -hmm. Using the Baltimore Ravens as, hey, you need to be more like them when it comes to John Harbaugh. Now, I'll give credit to John Harbaugh. When they drafted Lamar Jackson, they said, we can't fit him in what we do here. We need to construct an offense around a guy that has that kind of singular talent that's going to make us better. That kind of change makes sense. If you draft a person say, what we're doing doesn't accentuate his skill level. We need to make sure we do that, and that's what they've been able to do for Lamar Jackson. That kind of change for its sake of change, to me, makes sense. But Bill Cowell pointed out in terms that sometimes you just need that change. He didn't specifically say what that was or how to go about it because he's not going to dime out Mike Tomlin that way. He's not going to play Monday morning quarterback at a guy that succeeded him that he still has a relationship with. That's not that's not how the Pittsburgh Steelers you know this. That's not how they operate. So that, I think that was his way of trying to maybe soften things to say that hey, Mike Tomlin, you may need to do this. Or he was not going to put that out publicly, but saying that whatever message you're trying to get out there, it's not working. You might need to change the message. He just doctored it up a little bit so he didn't dime out Mike Tomlin.
2: Bill Cowher's always been a classy guy. Not surprised he would go that way. Not telling. Mike Tomlin, who on his staff needs to be fired? Mm -hmm. Not going down that route, but just speaking in some basic terms from a coaching standpoint. Yes, change is a critical part of it. The evolution of things that you're doing, you can't just stay in one place.
1: Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas. join me, Freddie Coleman. And Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. The one thing I want to see when the Steelers play the Cincinnati Bengals, with all that conversation, specifically around two guys that play the same position at wide receiver, when it comes to George Pickens, and Deontay Johnson it's not going to be so much about production it's what is it going to look like when they're on the football field because George Pickens he died on that hill in terms of I stand by what I said I was going to not injure myself on a blocking play because I saw it happen to tank Dell the wide receiver the Houston Texans and he doubled down on it well if you're going to double down on it then you're behind better get out there and make some plays and not just in running game
2: yeah, you gotta, you got to ball out. You've got to find a way to have your absolute best football game maybe you've had as a Pittsburgh Steeler <laughs> if you're George Pickens. If you were going to say what you said and basically say it with your chest and double down on it, mm-hmm. then double down on the best parts of your game. Right. Show us why you deserve to be out there despite the things that you said and the shortcomings that you are showing. Show us the best parts and flash big time for us.
1: Man, I can't wait to see what that's going to look like on Sunday with all that. Fire on the Steelers and Mike Tomlin. And can he reach this team? We'll see exactly how much reach he had when it came to this week getting ready for Cincinnati. We're calling this weekend a must-win weekend in the National Football League. Are the Eagles as a team at the top of that list? That's next. The Freddie and Harry Podcast.